Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Teaching Tactics Podcast. I'm Chris Kent and I'm joining Chris Bean. Mr. Bean? Hello. Today we're going to be talking about the three basic learning styles and how you can leverage those learning styles to your advantage. So we'll get started by talking about the three styles. The three styles are audio, visual, and kinesthetic. I'll go through each one and kind of give you a little overview of what it means, even though they're pretty self-explanatory. And then we'll uh, do some more discussing, like I said, about how to leverage them to your advantage and to use them depending on who you are teaching. So the first style, auditory. Of course, that refers to things that you hear, sounds that you hear, words that you hear, instructions you hear. People that learn um, through auditory or audio learning are very good with verbal instruction. So like when you say words, they like uh, how you describe things in much detail. Uh, They tend to latch on to or pay more attention to the keywords and phrases that you use when you're teaching. When you are teaching to someone who you know is an auditory learner, you want to make sure that you're giving clear directions to them. They will basically remember what you say verbatim. All the words that you are saying, they'll pretty much be able to replay that back in their head and think about it when they themselves are training. Um, So uh, it's very important that you are clear and concise when talking to someone who is an auditory learner. And uh, using short verbal pointers and corrections really helps to kind of drive those points home for someone who is an auditory learner. The next visual, of course, uh, refers to someone who learns best by seeing things uh, and watching the things that you're demonstrating. Usually, uh, someone that's a visual learner will ask for additional visual demonstrations. So you might show it and they'll you know, raise their hand and say, hey, can I see that again? Or uh, can, can you show me one more time? Um, when you are catering or, or teaching a visual person, you want to make sure that they can see clearly. So maybe if you know someone is a visual learner, don't put them in the back of the class. Make sure they're up front, they can see you pretty well, and they are able to get a clear picture of what's happening. And uh, also make sure that you provide them or demonstrate the techniques from very different angles. So I wouldn't just do it from the front, I would do it from the side or the other side or do it backward. That way they can see the different sides and different facets of the moves that you're doing because um, they'll be able to to learn best by watching the techniques that you're doing, watching how you're doing the techniques um, and those different angles will give them a better picture of, of what's actually happening with those moves. And the third kinesthetic is uh, someone who learns best by physically performing an exercise or a technique. It's important when working with someone who is kinesthetic to uh, get them to work, um, get them to experience what's happening with your drills. So rather than just sitting there watching to you, uh, watching you do something or listening to you explain how something is done, actually get them moving, get them physically involved uh, with doing the techniques. Um, when someone is kinesthetic, brief and basic explanations of what's happening uh, works best for them. Because again, we want to get them from point A being an explanation to point B being the um, the practice, the repetition of the move very quickly. So don't give them a long-winded or really expansive definition of what's going on. Just be brief, be basic, and then get them out on the floor doing those techniques. Um, sometimes they won't understand it until they give it a try. So it might not make any sense to them until they actually physically do that with their body, move their body, uh, and they might describe what they're feeling Um, being good or bad. So they might do a move and just say, hey, this just doesn't feel right. Or, hey, this feels really good. Um, And you want to make sure you can get them to feel the difference between the good and the bad by having them out there doing the moves, being uh, physically involved, and then repeating the moves. 
they have trouble with it, just slow it down. Have them repeat the move very slowly and gently and do it over and over and over again until they get the feel for it and, and are able to correlate the good feeling with how the move is done when they're practicing it. Um, so they like to physically experience the moves. Um, they like to try them out, try them lots of times, and then it helps them to understand how a technique feels and how to execute those techniques. And with those different learning styles, of course, we have to make sure when we're on, on the teaching floor, when we're giving our demonstrations of how the move is done, that we try to cover as many of those learning styles as we can. So, of course, visually, you're doing the move. Audio, you, you can hit pretty easily because more often than not, as we're demonstrating the move, as we're going through the physical movement, we're covering the visual, but we're also giving some audio cues as to what we're doing and and how it's done as well. And so the hard part for us instructors is to make sure that we have this in mind when we're on the teaching floor delivering our movements to, to the class. And, and Master Ken, what is, if you had to pick one or two of these for you, how do you learn? Yes, sir. Yeah, we talked about this in our intro episode. I think personally, I am uh, an auditory learner and a visual learner. So if I can see something and you can describe what's happening and use your words to explain the technique, um, that helps me to learn a lot better than being physical and doing it. Of course, the repetition and the practice is very important, and I don't want to neglect that. But if you're going to teach me a new move, I want to watch you and hear you explain it. And then I could kind of hear your voice in my head or see the picture of what's happening in my head. And that tends to be how I learn best. And when I'm teaching, of course, happens to be how I tend to describe or teach, demonstrate what I'm doing. That way, I feel like I connect most with that. I know how I learn, so it's easy for me to explain things in that way. Yeah, and, and for me, I am very much a visual first followed by kinesthetic. So if I can see how the movement is done and then I have an opportunity pretty quickly thereafter to go and move my body through that, it it just kind of clicks. Like you said, it, it, it more often than not, it just makes sense. And if it isn't if it isn't quite right, I can feel that the movement is kind of off and then I can go back and, and check if I'm watching a video or, or if I'm in a class and check back with the instructor and, and have him do it again, then that gives me a, a, another chance to see it and then I can put that in the motion. And the nice thing for me being kinesthetic is, and, and I think this is kinesthetic people in general, is once they have an opportunity to move their body through the movement, once that click kind of happens and it just makes sense, it, it is in there. It's harder for those people to forget those movements because their body is 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 remembering how to do those moves, right? And you know, just discussing the different ways that we teach things, even in how we're talking right now, usually it's more than one. I think it would be very weird, very hard, and very strange if I were to only teach a class using my auditory ability, and I'm just standing in front of the class only using my words to describe stuff, not to mention extremely difficult, but trying to walk someone through a complicated move only using words. I, I'm, I'm sweating just thinking about it. It sounds impossible, but vice versa, I've had to do it before because I lost my voice, but sometimes I wouldn't even try to teach a move without saying anything. I would have to be describing what I'm doing as I'm doing it. That way they can see it and hear it. And of course, 
I physically am incapable of going to each and every person and physically moving their body into the position it needs to be. I can't do that um, as just one person. So when we talk about the different learning styles and we kind of lay them out and describe them each individually, it's important to understand they all work together. If you can teach in just one way and it works for you, give me a call. Explain to me how that works because I, I, I am not at that level yet. But it's very important that those those three things work together and maybe check yourself. Maybe think if you're having trouble doing something or someone's having a really hard time learning a technique, maybe ask yourself, okay, am I trying to cater or is what I'm doing catering to all three of those learning styles? Am I, am I talking about what I'm doing? Am I showing what I'm doing? If this person needs me to physically move them, have I done that yet? Or have I given them a chance to move their own body? So we talk about lever- leveraging these styles to our advantage. And I think the more often you can incorporate all three of them, the, the, the more well set up you are to succeeding, especially because everyone's different. You're going to have a class that have all the different learning styles are, are, are present. Not to mention, as we've discussed, our learning styles are blended. I don't learn in just one way. I learn in multiple ways. But using all three of those is going to cater to many more people and make your job hopefully a little bit easier. Yeah. And, and, you know, you touched on this point, but if we have a class that has, you know, 50% visual, 25% audio, and then another 25% is, is kinesthetic, the visual people are, are pretty easy to pick up the moves and see them and then go do them. The, you got the audio people, whereas you are demonstrating the moves, you have the visual and audio that, that you can, that you can link together and do at the same time, the kinesthetic those are often the people that have the most trouble with the moves because us as the instructors, we have a hard time trying to figure out who who learns in what type of way. And then we have to make a mental note. Okay, this person learns visually. This person learns through audio. This person learns best when I go and move their body through it. And so setting up a situation in which you can cover all of those things sometimes is tough. But one way you can do that is with a line drill. And so if you were doing a self-defense move or something that they're, you know, they have feedback and, and, and I'm right there in front of them or any, any instructors right there in front of them where the students are in a line, they come up and they get to do the move or, or I'm helping move their body through the self-defense move as we're doing it. That's the best. So if, as I demonstrate the move, I'm doing it for the visual people. I am doing my best to put a verbal description to what my body is doing to the movements. And then shortly thereafter, or the next step would be a line drill in which I can physically help to move the people through that. Then I cover the visual by demonstrating. I cover the audio by linking the words with it. And then I get the kinesthetic people as well. Unfortunately, not everything that we do breaks down that we can do it functionally in a line drill. Sometimes it's it's a it's pad work, and you have you, you know you don't have enough instructors, so you have the partners are doing it back and forth, and and with that, if you pair up somebody that you know learns very well visually, or they can pick up the information really quickly, if you pair that person with somebody that doesn't pick up the information very well, then that's often a very good pair because in that situation you have the visual learner 
paired up with a kinesthetic learner, the visual learner will help to allow the kinesthetic person to move their body through those motions. And even if you can't be there for everybody to go through those motions, if you can link up scenarios or situations that you have somebody that learns real quickly, or even somebody who's done these movements before paired up with people that you know have trouble with it, then that's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, and as you were talking, I was thinking as much as these different learning styles apply to each person, there are some moves that are just better done in certain ways. Like to your point, you know, we have a technique where you grab somebody in a a hold and a reference point and then you, you do three knee strikes. And as we do those knee strikes, we like them to move forward. That way they're not remaining in place. And the best way to teach that is to have them physically grab onto you as the instructor. When they throw their knee, we grab their leg and physically pull it forward. That way they have to step forward. And I can stand here all day long and explain to you, okay, throw your knee strike and step forward. Sometimes it just doesn't resonate or doesn't make sense to people. But when they're actually there in line and I'm physically pulling their leg forward, they have no other other option but to set that leg down in front where it should be. And that's, I think that's a good example of a move that's just better taught one way over the other way. Um, and I like your point about putting opposing learning style people with each other. Like if, you know, I have the one kid who learns better audio, the other kid learns better visual, or one kid's kinesthetic, and I can pair them with someone that's going to help them because they learn differently. I like that. Um, on top of that too, if it wasn't a line drill type scenario, if we're in a long line situation, there's students in front of other students and students behind those students, whatever. I can know that, okay, this kid does really good. I'm going to put them in the very front of the room or I'm going to put them in the front of this line. That way the visual learners behind them can see what they're doing. Now, we don't want our students just staring at other students all the time. Of course, that's not ideal, but in those moments where maybe they have a trouble remembering what's happening or difficulty with the move, they can see someone else doing it. Then it's going to help them as a visual learner to perform the move themselves. And that removes us from the situation that puts someone else there. So we're not having to be the one there demonstrating and doing the techniques. The students are doing it. And then we can, we're free to move around, make corrections, give praise, all the other things we have to do as an instructor that removes us from there, but still gives them something or someone to look at to help them as they're, they're working through those techniques. Yeah, and in a perfect world, we would have a, a list of everybody who learns visually and a list of everybody who learns audio and a list of everybody who learns kinesthetic. But there's two things wrong with that. Number one, is not every, there isn't anybody that only learns visual or only learns through any of those. But on top of that, they often don't know how they learn, especially at the beginning. When... When we start as a white belt, everything is brand new and it's hard to do all of the stuff and anything, any of the movements, any of the techniques are a challenge from the get-go because everything is brand new. And as instructors, we have to understand that the students have to go through a dip in their learning, meaning they're, they have to go through a challenging part and go through that and go through that before they can make it out the other side. And part of that is it's a brand new activity. They're linking 
verbal cues and visual cues and then kinesthetic cues all together for sometimes the first time that they've ever done this or the first time they've done this in a number of years if it's an adult. But on top of that, they are learning how to learn from us, the instructors. And every different instructor has their own different viewpoint or tactics or ideas that they're covering or looking for in their students. And you look for different things than I look for in students. Even if we're in the same class and, and we're on the same page, we're talking about the same thing, you're going to pull out smaller details that I'm going to pull out different. It's just we're, because we're different people. As a brand new person, the instructors, us, we need to understand that everything is brand new for them. Not only do they not know any of the moves, they also don't know how to learn the moves. And I think part of that dip that happens initially is due to everything being brand new. And part of the dip is natural because you have to go through the failures initially in order to make it out the other side. But part of that is they are learning how they themselves learn the martial arts and not just learn the martial arts in general, but learn the martial arts specifically from us, the instructors. Can you think of a few student, students that you have, a few students that you teach, and immediately identify what their learning styles are? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, we already talked about why it's important, because if you understand how they learn, we're best able to lead them and guide them. And I know as a, a studio, we try as best as we can for each quarter, each, each section of teaching that we do for a certain amount of time, we keep everyone with the same instructor as much as we can because that person over the length of time that they have the students they're with, the group they're with, they're able to make the connections with them. And in their head, they're going to know, hey, this person learns this way, this person learns this way, this person learns this way, rather than bouncing them back and forth between four instructors and a new instructor every day and they never know what's going on. Number one, it keeps everything in line because they've been teaching that class. So they know what happened last time. They know what's going to happen next time. They know what's going to happen today. And it's just more congruent when you have one person doing the same thing day in and day out. But then on top of that, like I'd said, you get to know your students. You get to know how they learn best. You get to know how learn how to cater to them and um, make sure that they can learn the most effective way possible and as quick as possible. That way you're not having to spend 20 minutes because this one kid just doesn't understand what I'm trying to say to him. When all I had to do is say, hey, you know, so-and-so, I know you taught this class before. I'm having trouble teaching this move to this kid, this student. Do you have any tips? And as simple as, oh, yeah, this kid learns best kinesthetic. You're going to have to move his body. I know it's an inconvenience, but he, they're going to have to, she's going to have to do the move or you're going to have to physically do it for her. Once she does it a few times, you can send her off on her own, have her practice that, and she's good to go. So having that continuity of one instructor for the quarter or the period of time that they're at that belt or however you want to break it out, break it down, getting to know the students, like in your own case, you, there's a handful of students who you know learn best certain ways. They just walk in from day one. We have to figure that out. They're learning that for themselves. But then after, after the code is cracked for me, hey, this kid's been here for four days. I finally discovered he's a visual learner. Great. Let me pass him on to someone else so they can figure that out too. That just doesn't make sense. You learn and you keep that kid with that person for a while. That way, the, the student, the kid, has time to grow into or develop an understanding of how they learn. That way, when they get to another instructor and you're showing a move or whatever, they can raise their hand and confidently say, hey, 
can you show me that again? Or can you show me a different way? Or can you explain that to me? Or can you, can you do that to me so I can feel it? Because they understand how they learn and it helps us. But often is the case, they maybe it takes them a while to understand that. We have to be able to make sure that everyone can understand from what we're teaching. It's not a, a bottleneck of, if you're an auditory learner, you're going to re- learn great from him. We want to be able to service everybody by using all three of those learning styles. Yeah, and making sure that your staff understands the learning styles. And then, like you said, they're able to communicate that to the next instructor. So like like you said, for us, we are with the same group of students per belt levels. We, we do our belt test every three months. And so after that three months is up, okay, they move over. My students now are your students. And if, if I didn't tell you anything about them or you didn't know anything about them ahead of time, you are figuring it all out. And, and by the time they'd go to test for their next thing. You have all these internal notes about John and Joseph and, and Jackie and Jacqueline and Josiah, Jeremiah, on how they learn and how to best teach them. If you can't transfer that information that you've gained after the three months or, or however long the time was that you spent with them and pass that along to the next person as well, the next instructor, then that was all for naught. I mean, I guess that benefited you for that in that moment, but it's, the students are going to suffer. They have to go back through that, getting to know the instructor and the instructor getting to know the student phase. But if we could have a open dialogue with our staff throughout the training time, but at the very least in between those transitioning periods, meaning meaning when the students move from this instructor to the next next instructor a open dialogue of, Hey, this person learns like this and this person learns like this and, and so on. Oh, this person, you're going to, you're going to need to actually move their body through the movements and having that one is, is great information for us, the instructors. Cause then we go in on the first day. Okay. We got an, an idea of how best to teach everybody, but that's phenomenal for the students because then we don't have to figure that out on the fly. We, we already have this backlog of knowledge that the last instructor gave us. And then we just get to put that into play. We get to make notes or changes, uh, update things as, as it goes. And then we can give that and pass it on to the next instructor. That is far and away the best for us, the, the staff, the, the instructors, but also even better for the students because then they get to, on day one, learn the new moves as opposed to trying to figure out how to best learn the new moves. Right, and that really... The whole, the whole idea of communication with one another as a staff and as a head instructor to your staff really plays on something that I love talking about it, and it's, it's asking questions. I think there's a lot that stops us from asking questions, whether it be your ego or your lack of humility or just the thought that you are very good at what you do and you don't need help from anybody. But if you don't know how to do something and you are with a team who wants to see everyone succeed and we're all, we all have a student first mindset. We want the students to succeed. What stopped me from going back to whoever had that student before and saying, Hey, I'm having a lot of trouble teaching this kid this move. Do you have any suggestions or what can I do? Or even if it's not the instructor they had before, someone that's above you or someone that's the same as you and just communicating with each other. Cause we all, like you said, we all view things differently. We all do things differently. So obviously whatever you're doing isn't working. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It could work for eight kids, 
But that ninth kid just doesn't work for her. It doesn't mean what you're doing is useless. It just means that person learns differently. The person is, is just a different person. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that that person is broken and something's wrong with them. Just because I can't break down the information well enough that that person can learn it. it, it oh, well, Jack, I'm sorry. I can't teach you. You're not learning these moves. You're, you're just terrible at all this. So you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to quit. I'm sorry. That's what we call the easy way out. And just say, hey, kid. Sorry. This is your fault. You need to find somebody else, or need to get better, and then I can teach you. But no, it's our fault. Our job, literally our job, is to be able to deliver this information to our students. And if there's a disconnect or that's not happening, it's not, it's not the student's fault. That's your issue. And no, that's not easy. It's not easy to have to brainstorm or go to other people and admit that you can't, you're having trouble. But that's the job. That's what it is. Your responsibility to the student is to figure out the best way to teach them and to help them succeed and grow. That's not their problem. Unless they have a bad attitude, that's also something that you can, there's things that you can do to help with that. Again, it's not the kid's issue. The kid maybe has an issue, but again, in that class as an instructor, your job is to overcome that and find a way around that. And it's not the kid's fault. It's something that you, as the instructor, as the martial arts, as the leader and a role model, you need to figure out how to best teach that person, how to best deal with that person, how to best improve that person. That way they walk out of that class better than they walked in. Yeah. And let's, let's dive into that situation there. So in that situation, you have Josiah who is that ninth kid who's just not learning it. And he's just, he's terrible at everything. And you know, all those things, he moves from this instructor and he does a little bit better. He moves to this instructor, he gets a little bit worse and, and he moves on down the list, but he's not really improving overall. He's staying right around, makes him, you know, one step forward, one step back, right around where he was when he started. What, what are some tools that we have for instructors to overcome that? One of them, and, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, is having that open dialogue from the staff. Your team members can help give you insight on how to best teach Josiah in that situation. But another part is having the mindset that it's not his fault. It's our fault. We need to be creative enough. We need to have enough tools in our toolbox to break down the information in so many different ways that, okay, we try option number one. Nope, that didn't work. Okay, let's try this one. Nope, that didn't work. Okay, let's try. Oh, that got, that got, uh, you know, he did a little bit better there. Okay, let's do this one. And so having these other tools in our toolbox will help to reach more students. And then again, if that student that again, Josiah is still having issues, you know, Hey, Josiah, you know, I, I know you are working really hard on this, but I actually want you to take a break from this right now and transfer over to this other thing that Josiah can do moderately well and let him practice that. And while he does that, take some time to kind of step back and, and clear your head and come at it from a different angle. And perhaps if you've done that enough times and you've tried all the tools, all the tricks that you have, and you still aren't able to break through the box that Josiah is in, then maybe you link in somebody else, link in another, sta another staff or another uh, team member to say, hey, listen, you know, I've tried all everything that I can with Josiah. I, I just, I don't know how to teach him. I don't know how to communicate this information that he can understand it. 
And, and quite frankly, sometimes that's very frustrating. We need to be able to humble ourselves enough to ask for help. And sometimes that means removing ourselves from that situation and putting somebody there that actually can communicate this. And maybe that happens when the team member has a better connection with the student and they are able to break down the information in a way that they can understand because they have that better connection with the student. All that to say is basically just to reiterate what you said, it's not the student's fault. It's our fault as the instructors. We need to have a way, a better way, a different way, more options than just the one option to deliver the information to the student. And the student is first. We have to keep the student first in our minds and having other options different avenues of approach is key to making sure that we can reach all of the different students. And this all comes back to the teaching styles. So having an idea of what the teaching styles are will help to give you an, the roads to take in order to deliver that information. So if you go up the, the visual road, nope, okay, there's a roadblock there. I didn't learn that way. Okay, I go up this audio road. Nope, okay, that, that didn't work either. And most of the time, those are the only two options are the only two roads that we take as instructors. We often overlook the kinesthetic side, meaning physically move their body through the motions. And sometimes that is where we will find the people. Yeah. And transcending just the learning styles themselves in moments like that, when you've tried everything you can possibly think of, and you've tried to do your best to deliver the information and, and Josiah just still isn't understanding. There's absolutely nothing wrong with looking him in the eye and saying, Hey man, I just don't know what to do right now. I'm going to have to put some more thought into this. I'll come back and we'll figure this out together. The most important key to that is actually putting the work in, finding out what's going to happen, coming back and doing what you're going to say. Because there's nothing worse than telling someone, oh yeah, let me figure that out later. I'll tell you next time I see you. And the next time that you see them, you can't deliver on what you said. So being true to your word in that, that's, t- that's totally okay. Of course, that doesn't give us liberty to just tell everyone, oh, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Oh, I don't know. I'll figure it out. You need to have the answers ready. And when you don't, be willing to do the work and find them out as fast as possible and then get back to that person and tell them what happened. But I think very often it's hard for us to to humble ourselves to get to that point because we're the karate instructor. In our eyes, we are we're infallible. We're masters. We're amazing at everything. We know have all the answers. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'd rather you tell me you don't know and go find out the correct answer than make something up on the spot, tell me the wrong answer, and then just have to f- fig- work work through it. I, I, I'd rather you deliver the correct answer later than give me the wrong answer now. I can wait. That's okay. And at least as an adult, and, and some kids are able to see, I, I that's way more respectful than just pulling something out of your back pocket and and actually caring about what you're saying to someone and then following through with it. Not only does a lot for you and keeping you honest and humble, but it exemplifies those things to your students as well and gives them something to, to, to work toward or to look up to that is more than just the knowledge or the infallibility of knowing everything all the time, because that's just number one, it's unrealistic, but number two, that's, that's just not something that we need to be. We don't need to be right all the time. So as we're on the floor, or you specifically rather are on the floor, do you feel that you are using 
all of the different learning styles to your advantage? I do think I am. I think there are some I use, of course, more than others. I tend to show things and give brief explanations of what I'm doing as I'm doing them. As we've already discussed, there are some kids where I know, there's some students where I know this person learns best this way. So I'll, I'll say it and do it. As soon as I let them practice on their own, I go over to whoever it is, move their body or show them a different way. But I think I, I, not to say that I'm doing as best as possible, but I would like to think that I leverage them all to my advantage. Um, and it's something that comes with time. There's also some techniques where I've taught it so many times. It's like second nature. Like I don't have to, I can turn my brain off and I'm teaching this technique and it's going on. And again, it's not to say I can do everything right or I know everything, but we've been doing it for a long time. And some of them are, we have to teach multiple times each quarter, let alone in a whole year. I probably teach the move 52 times or 104 times, twice a week, whatever it may be. I have to teach a lot. And so it just kind of adds up. But I like to think that I am able to use all the learning styles to my advantage. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, as a side note is if we have those moves that we teach frequently, as you said, you know, multiple times a week for the whole year, those from what I've found are often the ones that we breeze over important details on just because we know it, we're doing it. We don't always put those into the explanation as we're demonstrating the movement to the class. And so just, you know, as, as a side note, keep that in mind is when we're doing those movements or when we're teaching those movements that we've taught countless times before, make sure that we understand that that's the student's first time. Okay, maybe it's not always the first time, but it's one of their first times learning that information. And so we need to be able to give it as fresh and clean and brand new as possible, even though it's it's years and years and years old for us. It's brand new and fresh to them, and we need to keep that mindset as we're as we're on the floor teaching specifically the new moves to the class. Right, and and being proactive about that changes us into good teachers rather than being someone who's what they call uh, how do they say it? Do do what I do and not what I say. Because we can do a move and do it the way we want it, but we're not explaining that or, or mentioning those tiny details. And that goes into a bigger idea of understanding common mistakes or um, the common downfalls. You know, So I'm teaching a move and I know that so many people mess up this one technique. I'll straight up say, hey, this is something people mess up a lot. So be careful about this specific thing. Or this is something that it gets overlooked very easily. So make sure you're doing this or whatever it is. And I'm not trying to disguise it. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm coming out and saying this is something someone messes up a lot or something that gets overlooked a lot. So make sure you're doing those things. And that's nice because it puts us in the, the, the mindset of thinking about those things as they're happening, thinking about what we're doing as we're doing it, making sure we're covering all aspects of the technique. But then it also sticks a little red flag in your student's mind to say, oh, I don't want to be one of those people who mess up this thing. So as they're doing it, they think to themselves, okay, don't forget this thing, or I'm going to end up being the example of what not to do. And again, it just kind of makes that, make sure that the whole move is being discussed, covered, and performed, and avoids some of those things that are easily overlooked and uh, easily uh, done wrong. What would you think is the next step? How can we how can we apply some of the things that we talked about today when we are when we're out teaching? 
Yeah, so maybe not so much while we're out teaching, but I think that the open dialogue from the team members, specifically during that transition time when the students move from one instructor to the next, having that communication between the team of, hey, here's the here's how this person best learns. Here's how this person best learns. I mean, I, you know, I had troubles with, with this guy in the beginning, but man, he's so good now because he, my, you know, I found that this works best for him. And having that, even if it's just right now for a handful of our students, having that dialogue, having that that mindset, having those tools from the beginning of the teaching cycle, I think will be will be tremendous for us. And I think we talk about this in our in our staff meetings a little bit, but I think that that is something that we can hone in on and do better specifically during those those transition periods because I think that's where that you know really is key. Right. And also discussing not just the negative but the positive too. Um, and when we are talking to one another about certain students who may have more of an issue, number one, understanding that we're not here to talk bad about them, but number two, phrasing what we're saying in a way where it doesn't paint them as less than or paint them as a problem. And what I mean by that is, you know, I could say, hey, I had such a hard time teaching Josiah's move. He just didn't get it. He doesn't understand. He doesn't know what's going on. All those things can be taken negative, like whoever I'm talking to, if I'm telling you that in your head, you're already thinking, oh man, Josiah is a handful. Josiah is going to be a lot of trouble. Josiah is going to, you know, give me a really tough time. And whether or not it's conscious, you probably start to write him off in your head of like, oh, well, I'll just focus on everyone else. And if I can help him later, I can help him. So, you know, receiving that information in a positive light and understanding that, again, it's not his fault that we had trouble with it. Um, but then also trying to, to present the information in a way it's like, yeah, Josiah doesn't learn visually very well. So you might have to demonstrate um, auditorily or you know, you're going to have to talk through what's going on more or move his body more. And just, again, presenting that in a more positive light helps to not vilify that student or helps to keep our perspective of that student and ourselves um, correct or right. That way, again, it's not Josiah's issue. It's our, our issue to work through and ultimately make us better as instructors, make us better as a team, and then doing all of that to improve Josiah as a martial artist. So what was your biggest takeaway from our discussion today? I'm glad we talked about, I brought it up, which I guess sounds kind of selfish, but it's always a good reminder to make sure we're addressing our techniques and describing our techniques in a way where we're not overlooking anything. So approaching every class, approaching every um, session as a, with a fresh pair of eyes, you know, I'm walking into this. I've been doing this for however long I've seen this move thousands and thousands of times, but kid who just walked in, Jacob, Jacob's never seen this move before. So I can't describe this to him from the viewpoint of, Oh yeah, it's, 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 this simple block. Come on, dude. Like, just do the block. It's come on. It's just this block. You should know this block, whatever. It's brand new to him. Make it fun. Make it exciting. Make sure you cover all your bases and common pitfalls and common mistakes and little details that you've, that have come, have been blended together over the millions of times you've done the move. Um, and just making sure it's brand new and fresh and exciting. That way that person is able to absorb the information. Um, and hopefully learn it better 
and want to come back for more because they had a good time. And it's not just, all right, here's how we do this block. You know, your hand goes here, then it goes here, and it goes here. Do this, blah, 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 whatever. Because it's brand new to him. You want it to be fun and exciting. You want to be able to present all of the learning styles as you're doing it as well. Um, that way it's not just a, that way he, you know, they have fun and they learn the move. And it's not just, Hey, I don't know why I can't get this move. It's, he made it sound so simple. I just have trouble with it. Wow. Whatever. It's, it's brand new. So we need to make sure we approach each class and each technique uh, with a fresh set of eyes. Well, Mr. Bean, anything, uh, anything else to add? I think we covered everything for today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As we said before, you can find us online and social media. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, all of those. You can find us at MA Teaching Tactics. Again, that is MA for martial arts, teaching tactics. Until next time, I'm Chris Bean. And I'm Chris Kent.